Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so. Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey, folks, today is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Deputies in Jacksonville, Florida, are under an internal affairs investigation after stopping and forcibly strip-searching a black man on a public road in full view of people, including his family members. I'll talk to the reporter who broke this story about the details of this case, it makes no sense whatsoever. Two Alabama brothers will be charged as adults in the mass shooting that killed four people and wounded dozens of others at a Sweet 16 birthday party. We will talk with an Alabama County Commissioner about the startling details of what led up to the tragic incident and how they plan to protect people in the community. Tyree Nichols' mother files a lawsuit against the city of Memphis and members of the police department, $550 million. We'll talk with attorney Ben Crump about this landmark lawsuit. In our Tech Talk segment, artificial intelligence in the workplace uh, is real. It's also changing so many things, and it could be costing millions of people their jobs. We will discuss that and more. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. A black man in Jacksonville gets strip searched by the sheriff's officers in the middle of a street in front of his family members. The officers find nothing. But the black man, Ronnie Reed, was arrested for selling cocaine, and he's headed to court on drug charges next month. Now, drugs that were not found when they stopped him. Here's body camera footage of this search. Not like that, man. That's weird, man. 
Loosen up the pants here. And they already loosened, bro. The belt, I'm buckling all that shit, man. Okay. Somebody got a light? Okay, I don't want her to look at your genitals. Let's go over here. Alright. Light somebody? Hi, man. Somebody got light? Come on. Alright, man. Nothing's gonna go inside of you, alright? But we have to make sure you don't have anything else. Alright. Don't stop doing that. <laughs> you don't lean on my car? It ain't my car, it's Steve's car, so cool. Lean, over, lean, lean forward. See, this is no stop. You're gonna lean forward. You're gonna lean forward, bro. Listen, bro. You're going too much. No, I'm not. You're doing too much. I just told you nothing was gonna be put inside of you, but you gotta let me look. Can't bend me over like that, bro. I know my rights. Stop. He's clinching hard. He's got something up there. I ain't clinching nothing. Stop. Put him against the car right here. Please stop. That's up in his ass, probably. I mean, he's he's clenched so hard. No, I'm not. You're right. Listen, bro. Yeah, they're gonna do it at the jail. Okay, cool. Let them do it at the jail, bro. stick your finger up my ass, man. I just told you I wasn't, but you unclench your asshole and just let it come out. You can just get the one charge now. Auntie, back up. Auntie, back up. Back up. Back up. Please. Please go in the yard, Auntie. Please. Please. Wow, the investigative reporter who broke the case, uh, Nicole Manna of the Tribuary, uh, is joining us now from Jacksonville. Okay, Nicole, I I I'm confused here. Uh, so, how is he charged on drugs, but they, they didn't find any drugs? I mean, we're confused about that, too, and that's a question that we have asked um, the state attorney's office. Um, if you didn't find anything, how could you charge him with this? Why is Ronnie Reed being prosecuted? And um, they declined to answer our questions because of the ongoing criminal case. So you can hear the cops on the body cam claiming that he was clenching his butt as if he had drugs in his anus. But they didn't recover any drugs. No drugs were recovered. Um, the $20 that he was allegedly given in exchange for the cocaine was not recovered. It says that very clearly in a police report. You don't see any of that happening in body camera footage. You don't see the recovery of money. You don't see the recovery of drugs. Um, and that's not in the police report either. So, no, nothing was found. Uh, is it department policy to literally strip search somebody? 
Absolutely not. We have reached out to the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, of course, several times in um, reporting this story, and they also declined to answer our questions, um, actually citing that they've now opened an internal affairs investigation because of our questions. Um, but we did find the policy that says only um, correction officers can conduct these searches. Right. I mean, we have right here, in accordance with Order 612, Yep. Corrections, search procedures, strip searches of arrestees shall only be conducted by corrections officers and body cavity searches shall only be conducted by designated medical personnel. That wasn't a medical personnel who was on the scene. No, it wasn't a medical personnel and it wasn't a correctional officer. Have y'all heard of anything like this happening before? Um, I have heard of strip search cases um, happening in Citrus County. One of the attorneys that I talked to for the story um, filed a lawsuit in Citrus County um, years ago over a strip search. But other attorneys that I talked to for the story said that they have never heard of this happening. They've never seen it happen. And I haven't found any cases of it happening in Duval County. Uh, this, I mean, what has been the reaction from people there in Duval County? I mean, has this story uh, really picked up, uh, gotten legs and just outraged people? Yes, yes, it has definitely taken off on social media. We have seen nothing but outrage. We have seen nothing but people asking um, the same questions that you and I are asking and the same questions that we put into the story. Why was he strip searched? Why was he not taken to the jail? Why is he being prosecuted? Um, why are the, the names of the officers redacted in the police reports? Um, so there's a lot of outrage. There's a lot of questions. And hopefully we will get answers to those soon. When does he head to court? He heads to court for a pretrial hearing on the 27th, and then um, he goes into jury selection in mid-May if, you know, they, the state continues and doesn't drop the charges um, in his next hearing. Um, again, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, Nicole, anything else? I think you've outcovered it. All right. Thanks a bunch. Uh, good work there, and uh, we'll keep following the tributary to see what happens next. Thank you. All right, folks, going to go to a break. We come back. I'll talk about this with my panel and other news as well. Don't forget, support us in what we do, folks. Download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, also, uh, join our Brina Funk fan club. Your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do. Check in money orders. Go to uh, P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal are Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingthismartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Be sure to catch us on Amazon News. If you go to Amazon TV, click Amazon News. You can watch our 24-hour streaming channel. You have Alexa, say Alexa, play news from Black Star Network. It'll be there as well. We'll be right back. Black Star Network is here. Oh, no punch! It's a real um, revolutionary right now. Uh, thank you for being the voice of Black America. All the momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. 
As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 1067 The Beat. Columbus is real hip hop and RB. They're taking our women. This is white fear. This is Judge Math. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Mac Wild. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Here's my panel, Dr. Larry J. Walker, assistant professor, University of Central Florida. Rebecca Carruthers, vice president, Fair Elections Center, coming to us out of D.C. Candace Kelly, legal analyst, coming out from South Orange, New Jersey. All right, uh, Larry, I'm going to go to you first. You're there in Florida. Bruh, this is absolutely crazy, and I really want somebody to explain to me how the hell do you arrest somebody for drugs that you never found? I think this is consistent in a pattern we've raised over the last couple of years in terms, well, really last several decades in the black community in terms of police overreach. I mean, listen, they just basically dehumanized him in public. There's no way to getting around that. And the other thing I want to add, Roland, is they seem very comfortable strip searching him in public. I'm going to go on a limb and say this is not the first time that this happened. 
And when we see these kind of behaviors, I certainly, you know, I know, I know we've talked about DOJ and, and um, Office of Civil Rights and Christian Clark uh, uh, quite a bit here on your show. And certainly I think DOJ needs to take a look at it, see if there's some kind of pattern here in which we're going to assume predominantly black folks are being strip searched or mistreated and assumed anytime they're assumed they have drugs or whatever else. But we really need to get to the bottom of this. But the fact that they charged him <laughs> was saying he had drugs and he didn't have any drugs. And it's clear on the body cam that you can't see any drugs. The last point I want to add, Roland, as a black man watching this breaks my heart. And mm. I'm tired of continually watching law enforcement treat black folks like this. And this is, once again, in terms of another example of how black folks are dehumanized by law enforcement. These uh, officers should be held accountable, and I hope he sues. Candace, uh, again, I, I, I mean, g- give me a break. Um, I mean, you know, th- their actions, again, y- you're, in, you're already in violation of procedures when it comes to strip searching. As a lawyer, is this an easy one to get this case tossed? Oh, oh, no, not at all. In fact, you know, the fact that they didn't find any drugs really negates their probable cause to begin with. They said they had probable cause to search. If that was the case, they could have brought him back. And what normally happens is you bring them back to the station to get the proper person to do the search. In fact, that happens. There's nothing the matter with that. Not only did they violate his, his search and seizure uh, rights in terms of the Fourth Amendment, but then we're talking about invasion of privacy. To have somebody be out in the middle of the street in the daylight in front of people, in front of their relatives, and strip down and and, uh, fill their front, fill their anus, ask them to release themselves, that's an invasion of privacy. Meanwhile, the police officers that were involved in this, their privacy hasn't been invaded because we don't know who they are. All of their names have been redacted from the records. So there has to be some balance in this process. But like the guest said, this couldn't have been the first time because they did this with such ease and, and with such, you know, normalcy that it seemed like this is something that they have done before. There will come a case out of this. There's no way that this video will not prompt this man to say my rights were violated because it was needless, it was unwarranted, and his rights were violated on many, many different levels. Rebecca. So that was the legal framework of it, but let's also talk about the historical framework. We have a black man in public at the hands of the state that is not only dehumanizing him, but also demasculization. Let's not forget this is Florida. Let's not forget that this is Duval. When I think about the history of our country, and especially in Florida, even the history of so-called buck breaking, these types of things seems like it's just a continuity in America's history with how black men are treated in the public space, but specifically how black men are treated by the state government. Um, it is, again, just one of those uh, cases that just makes no sense to me. But when you have cops in this country, you think they can do what the hell they want to do. Though This is exactly what ends up happening. Um, I, I, I just, just, it just, again, uh, it's, it's sort of ludicrous uh, when you see uh, what happens here. Speaking of ludicrous, folks, uh, in Alabama, two teenage brothers will be charged as adults in connection with a shooting that left four people dead and 32 injured at a weekend Sweet 16 birthday party in Dadeville. Dadeville is about 60 miles northeast of the state capital, Montgomery. 
the brothers, 16-year-old Travis and 17-year-old Tyreek McCullough from Tuskegee, were taken into custody and charged with reckless murder. 23-year-old Corbin uh, Del Monte, Del Montre uh, Holston, 19-year-old Marcia Emmanuel Collins, 18-year-old Philstavius Dowdell, and 17-year-old uh, Sean Kevia Nicole Smith, all were killed. Other charges are pending. Uh, Tallapoosa District Attorney Mike uh, Seagrass discussed the victims during a news conference today. Sergeant Jeremy Burkett of the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency says they still need witnesses to what took place. Stay laser-focused on this investigation throughout the duration. But again, it's going to take personal courage. It's going to take personal courage of the individuals that were there that night to come forward, come talk to law enforcement, tell the truth. We need that information. Okay? When we talk about the victims, it's not just the 28 injured and 32 dead. There were so many kids in this venue, and what they saw, um, it's their victims in this. Their, their families are victims of this, and you know the ripple effect of this you know, it's kind of like a, a wave rolling across Lake Martin, but that ripple didn't stop when it when it hit the, the banks. There are other communities involved. There are kids from Realtown here. Um, one of the ones in critical condition had gone to the prom that night in Realtown. There's kids from Tallahassee, kids from Booker T. W., kids from Alexander City. Um, we haven't even identified possibly, you know, where all some of these kids uh, came from, and. Uh, it's a traumatic thing for them. But one of the victims that wasn't injured is Lexi, Lexi Dowdell. It's Lexi's 16th birthday party, sweet 16. There's an uncut cake and unburnt 16 candles that never got lit. Lexi's brother was one of the victims. On her 16th birthday party, she'd been helped by her brother as he took his last breath. That's what we're dealing with here. Those are what these victims went through. Joining us now is T.C. Coley, Jr., Tallapoosa County Commissioner from Alexander City, Alabama. Can you tell us uh, what, what happened here? I mean, this, this is a birthday party. Yeah, it's a birthday party, and unfortunately, with the types of things you deal with in today's society, with the level of the different youth organizations with so many people are focused on aggressive solutions to problems that I think that probably some type of um, personal beef turned into a tragedy. Uh, one of the challenges you have in a situation like this is that once you post these events on social media, they go from being a local event to becoming almost a regional event. We actually had people at that birthday party that were from over from four or five different counties. And as a result of that, you end up with all sorts of different individuals showing up at what should be a, just a simple local birthday party. And I believe some issues that may have been attached to another community rolled over and became a, a deadly tragedy in ours. So, and, and again, it's interesting that, that you say that because I, I was remarking when we first did this story um, what took place. There was a party in a, in a neighborhood where I live in, in the Dallas uh, area. And um, 
and all of a sudden it swelled to a large crowd and the police said that uh, a flyer had gotten passed around at the school about this party. And the, the first thing I said was, I remember when this thing happened, I said to the cops, uh, were the parents there? Because he, he, I, I know how I grew up. Ain't nobody rolling to our house that wasn't invited. Sure. Um, and, 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 so, uh, and so, again, this was a Sweet 16 party. Was, was it in the daytime? Was it at nighttime? Were parents there? Was it only young people? You know, you know what, were, what were those circumstances? Sure. My understanding of the, uh, the uh, facts relating to the event is that the event took place later, late Saturday, in the later hours of Saturday evening. It was not at a residence. It was actually at a, um, at a facility in downtown Dayville, Alabama. It was, um, I think, basically, a, it was a, a small business owner that made the facility available to the family for this particular activity. And it just kept getting larger and larger and larger. According to several conversations I had, there was at one point during the uh, event, uh, the party was stopped, and the, it was the statement was made: you know, if you're here and you have a firearm or a weapon, you need to leave. And it, no one left the apparently left the the event at that time. But you know, there were some adults present, um, and probably it might have been better at the point at which they were suspicious of weapons that. Maybe they should have shut the party down or what have you. But, you know, again, um, sometimes it, some parties are just way beyond the control of parents uh, with just limited resources. I think, you know, looking back, they may have benefited from having some type of security on site and that type of thing. Um, the deceased, obviously, you had one person was going to be a musician, one person was going to be a star athlete. Uh, I mean, when you just th think about this, I mean, th these are just young lives snuffed out, and now you got two two individuals. We're talking about Alabama um, and what they are now facing when it comes to murder. Well, actually, I, I should update you that there has been a third suspect arrested late this afternoon. Uh, at approximately 3 p.m. or so, there was a suspect arrested in Auburn, Alabama. So at this point, there's at least three suspects that have been arrested, and I feel comfortable based on this information I've heard. There are more arrests that are imminent. Really? So did they believe that there were multiple folks involved in this shooting? Uh, yes. I think what's happening here is that the law enforcement is being very quiet in what they're saying because they're being very diligent, very disciplined in how they're going about identifying the perpetrators. Uh, making sure that they, you know, they follow all the leads appropriately, that they're not scaring anyone off. So there's probably very active efforts right now to uh, continue to arrest more individuals that are associated directly or indirectly with this tragedy. Man, it is uh, uh, just just beyond sad. Um, have you communicated with the family members uh, of uh, the deceased? Uh, these four people who have been killed. Sure. I have not communicated with them directly. I know we've had several uh, of our state, local, and other agencies that have communicated with them directly. Um, as someone who did not have a direct personal relationship with the families, I'm not just going to be one that's going to come in here and pile on with more. I mean, they're, they're dealing with enough um, sorry for your loss and that kind of thing. And I just think that right now, the the people that need to be talking with the families that can actually provide them with support with resources and that type of thing are talking with them directly. Uh, what we've been focused on primarily is the things that we can do to support law enforcement and efforts to capture children, 
I also personally been focused on supporting uh, the other some of the other elected officials in the community that have direct relationships with the family and giving them the resources they need to be there for their constituents. Uh, certainly a sad story all the way around. Uh, Commissioner Coley, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Folks, got to go to break. We'll be back. Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. I lost my daughter. I didn't know where she was. So I had to figure out how to survive, how to eat, how to live. I don't want to go into to the right. details because she's here, first of all. She may not want me telling that story. But uh, um, possession of her, we, the family broke down, fell apart. I was homeless. Uh, I had to figure out I, I didn't have a manager or an agent or anybody anymore, and I'm the talent. <laughs> so I got to figure out how to be the agent. And mm. I had to figure out how does business work. I'm Pastor Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, this is Essence Atkins. Hey, I'm Deion Cole from Blackish. Hey, everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered. All right, folks, welcome back to Roller Martin Unfiltered. Uh, Candace, when we think about, uh, again, this, this shooting here, um, I, I think about this shooting, I think about the one involving the Alabama basketball player. And when I read the story, it, it just, I mean, literally uh, an argument ensues. 
Next thing you know, woman is shot and killed. Now you've got two folks arrested, now facing murder charges. Uh, and this is just one of those things that I, I, again, I, I just think back again to how, and again, I'm not passing judgment on anyone's parents or adults, but this is where, for me, it's like, yo, everybody ain't gonna be allowed into a, into a place. And mm -hmm. I'm gonna shut something down before uh, I let this thing sort of get, get out of control. And we see exactly what happened here. I mean, four people are dead. This is a birthday party. Yeah, and as I made at, uh, the point at the press conference, the, the candles weren't even blown out. This, this party didn't even really get off and running. And as you mentioned, you know, do the parents maybe bear, I'm not saying the full responsibility, but when we look at the mother, she said that she heard there was a gun. She asked everybody there, whoever you are, if you have a gun, you have to go, and nobody moved. So maybe she did do her due diligence. When we look at these kids, they have become so comfortable with guns, getting guns, shooting guns, hearing gun stories, playing games where, they're, where, they're, where they have guns all day for hours. They are desensitized to what guns really mean in real life because they spend so much time online, that we hear so many headlines, and they just don't, they don't understand that it is real. These are two people, and maybe three now who might be charged, that are going to go to jail. Um, but I think that one of the things that we do have to keep in mind, and this is something that was important at the press conference that was brought up, is that this is going to be a process and that they need people to step up and take charge and give them information. They want to hear at every uh, from every single person at that party. And they made it clear to the public that they wanted them to be patient. If they had questions for them as police officers, they may not be able to ask them, to answer them, because they don't want the process interrupted. And I think that that was a key takeaway from what was said today. But as you said, back in the day when we had a party, we did not worry about this stuff. There weren't all these levels of concern having to do with violence the way that it's going on today. But this is an indicator that parents who are out there who are having parties, and what was interesting, I thought, was this was not a house party. You know, a house party, a lot of people descend upon. Normally, when you have a party at a facility, there's, there's normally more kind of guidelines and rules of engagement in terms of getting in, but it's happening everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. You are not safe. And as, an, as a parent, as you said, it would be incumbent upon you to check people at the door. Because if you don't, things like this will happen because these kids believe that they have the right to do anything, including carrying a gun and injuring 32 people and killing four. Uh, the point that uh, Candace makes there, Rebecca, is a correct one. I mean, you literally are dealing with folks today who just, who just do not care. I mean, the, the culture that we're living in. I mean, look, the story that happened just in Texas, four elite cheerleaders, woman comes out, she accidentally gets into the wrong car. Gets out, gets in the car, guy comes up to the car, she says, I'm so sorry, my bad, I thought it was my friend's car, I got into the wrong car, apologetic, dude just starts firing. He just starts shooting. Now he's arrested. Uh, and then we talk about Alabama. What, what did Governor Kay Ivey do? Sign into law, allowing people to have 
pistols, no need, for, no need for a permit. No need for a permit. We're seeing the same thing happen in every single one of these states. And all these Republicans, and I'm going to go political here, all these Republicans love talking about back the blue and law enforcement. Yet who are the people who are against these new gun laws? Sheriffs, police chiefs. And it's like, oh, what the hell? Let's just let everybody be able just to get a gun without a permit. And we ain't even talking about the people who have guns who don't even care about a permit, but they're making it now the law. Let's just have, let's just arm everybody. So I want to be very careful here and show the family some grace because we are still waiting for more details to be made public. The reason why I say that, we have to remember this town of, town of Dadeville is about 3,000 people. On average, they have no more than 20 um, violent crimes that happen in that town. And violent crimes isn't just uh, murder, but also can include sexual assault and other crimes, uh, um, you know, like that as well. And so it may not have been predictable to this family to think that they would have to hire security guards for a Sweet 16 party. Once again, this is a town of 3,000. Um, one of the things that the commissioner talked about is that this event went on social media and there were folks, there were um, kids, there was young people, there were other teenagers that might have come from um, regionally from the area and not just from the town of Dadeville. So I do want to show the family some grace here. I'm never going to say that we don't, that gun violence, is, you know, is insulated from happening in rural areas and in smaller towns. I would never say that. But I just want to be clear, this isn't something that this family expected to happen. And think, and put yourself in this mother's shoes. If you, if there is a party and you're hearing that there's rumors that there might be some type of weapons and you start to ask questions, if everyone's like, no, we don't know what you're talking about, what do you expect a parent to do in that situation? So I do want to show a bit of grace here. Well, but, 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 here's, but here's why, I mean, what the commissioner said, I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm going to show grace as well, but we are now living in a completely different world. We just are. And, and, and the fact of the matter is um, the world that we're living in, there are people who are carrying weapons, you would never think about. And, and, and what I'm saying is, as somebody who raised six nieces, you couldn't invite anybody to my house. And, and, the, and the reality is, uh, I'm checking everybody. I want to know who the hell is who. I mean, so how we, and I'm just saying, for people who are watching this show, people are going to have to understand, whether you're in rural America, rural Alabama, whether you're in uh, inner city, if you're having gatherings with young people, you're going to have to think about things way differently, Larry, than our parents had to think about. You're going to have to have levels of control and where, no, I'm checking everybody. It's absolutely, you can't, no, oh, uh, can I bring a friend? I don't know who the hell that friend is. I mean, because at the end of the day, I'm going to have to take precautions on the front end to avert tragedy on the back end. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because anytime somebody, my son, which, you know, when he was in high school, et cetera, wanted to bring somebody to the house, who, who, who is he, who are you bringing? <laughs> yeah. 
And, <laughs> and you know, you got to be clear about that. And my wife and I didn't play. There's a couple things you you you, you know you talked about Roland. We need we need to really make crystal clear. We do have a violence and a gun culture problem here in the United States. Mm -hmm. There are more guns per capita in the United States than the other country. The United States outpaces every other country when it comes to these mass shootings and killings. It's not even close. I think the other point you highlighted, uh, Roland, in terms of what we're seeing in Republican-dominated legislators throughout the country, we just saw where I'm at in the state of Florida. The governor very quietly signed a permitless bill that will take effect July 1st. Now, we've already escaped. They have already dealt with mass shootings, Pulse nightclub, et cetera. And we just saw in Tennessee within the last 24, 36 hours that they uh, passed a bill to exempt the gun the gun manufacturers. Yep. So we we didn't really need to have the conversation about an intersection of politics, um, violence, and guns in the United States. My heart goes out to the families who've been you know impacted by these by the shooting. But we need, really needed to have comprehensive gun reform at the federal and state level. I, I just think that again, we are. I mean, this is a cautionary tale for a lot. And it's not just this story. Again, it's not just. This, I mean, there have been a lot of other stories that, that we've actually covered as well. And th this is literally something, Candace, that as we're thinking about as parents, as aunts and uncles, as when it comes when it comes to get-togethers, in terms of just how we think. Look, I look. When, when my grandmother uh, was alive, first of all, we lived eight blocks from my mother, grandmother and grandfather. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and our family got together every single Sunday. Uh, a couple of family members who, family members like, yo, these cats uh, were, or, were, were selling drugs. Okay? Mm -hmm. Okay? That, a lot of our families are like that. So I remember uh, we go to the house, and, you know, everybody in the family greets. I walk up to, to both of them, give them a hug, Pat the ass down. <laughs> and man, there what, you go. Uh, man, man, uh, hold on. Like, like, uh, man, what you doing? I said, let me yeah. explain something to you. I said, let me explain something to you. I said, uh, I ain't going to have your ass involved mm -hmm. in some bullshit that nobody here is involved in, and then somebody decides to come shoot up this house because of your ass. Mm -hmm. I said, so let me be real. And I, oh, I, I didn't care. Now, now, I know somebody who's watching, they probably like, damn, bro, that's cold. But what did I just say? Your actions, and I literally said, your actions, no, Doc, are not going to have a negative impact on my grandmother and my aunts and uncles and, and all of us. And Kat looked at me like I was straight up like crazy, <laughs> and I was like, no. And, and, and so the reason I'm saying that, and again, yeah. I absolutely feel for these families. What I am saying is we literally are going to have to, we have to change how we operate in terms of our get-togethers and birthday parties because if I, and I would look, I would look, if my, if my niece, I'll be like, yo, looks like Larry, who is that? Mm. Who is that? No, you can't bring folk we don't know because you don't know about personal beefs. You don't know if it's if it's some places where you got gang situation going on, whatever. You have to make decisions. And I hate that we have to do this because it's an innocent sweet 16 party. Yeah. But we are seeing a lot of tragedies like this. And then we are crying and mourning on the back end. And unfortunately, you just have to operate and do things differently than you normally would uh, in the past.
we do. You know, we can take a lesson from how we treat people who host others and kids are underage and they're drinking. When they leave, they have an accident, and even if they're, you know, or, or you know, a bar, right? Their responsibility when you are hosting someone, you are still responsible because you are giving that person the alcohol yep. and they're underage in your building or in your, your house or in your party. So that responsibility, I think we can look at that as a comparison as to where we might be going. Now, some people might say, well, that's interruptive. I can't police everybody that comes into the house. That would interrupt the flow of the party. How can everybody have fun? when I'm over here questioning and Googling everyone and asking for ID. Well, if you want your people to live and if somebody especially looks suspect and you don't know who they are, there's no connections, I think that it is worth it. We have seen enough cases where you can take on that responsibility. You already have the responsibility of, of determining how much they can and cannot drink. It's just another responsibility, I think, that you ultimately have to take on. You know, uh, Rebecca, someone posted on, in our chat room, talked about, you know, parks and things like that. And again, I remember growing up uh, and we had, I remember we had um, family gatherings, um, family gatherings in, uh, in the park. And... Um, but I also remember one time when 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 some, something stopped, because I remember we had a family get together and we were we were leave, leaving the pool and these two guys decide to, you know, they they wanted to try to rough, rough, rough up my brother, uh, and snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'm telling you right now, I, 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 watched, I grabbed a baseball bat and I walked over. And I'm telling you right now, had that continued, somebody would have got crushed in the head. Now, after that, we didn't have a lot of a lot of gatherings there because what we decided as a family was, we're going to be operating in places that we completely control. And, and and so what I am saying to people who are watching and listening to us right now, I was just in Chicago. I was just in Chicago uh, for a book signing. And I was talking to a brother. He's owned several establishments there. And he literally said, so we were at Soho House. And he literally said to me, he said, bro, he said, you're, ne you're not going to see a black-owned nightclub in Chicago again. He mm. said, because folks will not act. I was like, explain. He said, you're not going to see, he said, you rarely see um, gatherings that are public gatherings. And Rebecca, when he said that, then he told me, he said, if you see anything now in Chicago, he said, it's going to be day events. And it was a trip. The next, I got invited. This was a, fr this was, um, a Friday night. I got invited to uh, a, day, a day brunch that Sunday before I left. Line, Rebecca, down the street. And, and the person who invited me said, this is the only way we can now have get-togethers because folk literally are scared of how others are going to act as a result. I mean, and, and, and I've had conversations with pastors there. I've had conversations with former gang leaders. And they said, 
cast, cast today, Rebecca, just don't care. They literally don't even worry about rules. It's, it is, it has gotten that bad. And I'm not describing just black people. I'm describing black people, white people, Latinos. We are living in a far different America that is far more violent. And we are going to have to take a level of precaution when we have get togethers that, frankly, we never thought about before. Yeah, Roland, this is a part of that kitchen table talk. Because like you, like in my family, we've been having different conversations that would never have imagined that we would have had 10, 15 years ago. Um, you know, around Thanksgiving, I was talking to some of my younger cousins as, you know, one of the attorneys in the family and just talking about, hey, you got to be careful with who you hang, hang out with. And they looked at me like, well, what are you talking about? And I had to remind them of the RICO laws and what that looks like. If mm. you have known associates who are getting in trouble, I had to tell them, hey, this is what RICO was. Um, in the 60s. This is how it was used uh, with organized crime up in the Northeast, namely in New York. But now RICO's being used across the South. And I've used um, examples of Young Thug in Atlanta. I've used examples of what, you know, what, you know, even talking to my family about this is what your rights are. You know, for the black men in my family, the young black men, the black teenagers, if you encounter the police, this, these are what your rights are. If you get arrested, these are things you ought to know. Do you know that the Supreme Court just upheld um, in 2021 that the police have a constitutional right to lie to you when you're in custody. The only people they can't lie to is your attorney and record. So I've been having to have those kitchen table talks with some of my family members, not just the black males, but, but all of my family. So Roland, I would even encourage you, maybe this is a kitchen table talk or a town hall to talk about what does it look like to be black and to protect your family um, in 2023 in America, not just protect your family when it comes to law enforcement, but just to do those normal everyday things that we've taken for granted. The ability to go out to the park and not worry about um, being shot. The ability to go to a Sweet 16 party and not worry about something bad happen. The ability, even in Washington, D.C., to go to a funeral and not be yeah. at risk for someone shooting up the funeral. So I think this is a larger conversation that we need to talk about as a community a kitchen table talk, but figure out how do we make sure we keep our families safe? Because, Larry, the reality is we, we want to have fun. We want to do things that are enjoyable. We want to be able to fellowship. Um, but we also don't want something that's supposed to be uh, something that is for fun to end up tragedy. You want to just kind of live and let live. And just, you know, like you said, you know, particularly the tragedy of a Sweet 16 party, and obviously even the two individuals that have been, that have been arrested, these are all young people. These are all teenagers. So, and you talked about, you showed the map, and then you talked about all the individuals who were invited to this party, and you heard the um, officer describe all the lives impacted. You talk about a wide swath of that, that region there, individuals who were at that party or know someone who was at that party. But you're, I think, Roland, your point is right in terms of you know, you, we talked earlier about who, who's invited, who's coming to the party if you have an event like that. But also, how do we, in, in a society that, like I said, go back to the point I made earlier about, there's such a proliferation of guns, how do you have fun? Because you talk about the white party. And listen, the reality is in America, you're not safe anywhere. And, and, and that's tragic. 
But I think my colleague made the point about the table talk and, you know, maybe having a, an overall discussion about um, the black community in, in terms of we do about violence. But the larger challenge is, and I go, you know, Roland, I'm a former Hill staffer, is the policies. Black folks are being held hostage. Black people in urban, rural, suburban communities have called for comprehensive gun reform and are being held hostage either in, in their state, depending yep. on where they live at, or people from federal government won't address this issue. Uh, it is definitely uh, a uh, very uh, sad story. Uh, so, folks, we'll keep following and see what happens. Got to go to break. We come back. Our black and missing. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. We'll be back in a moment. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it. And you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Hi, I'm BB Winans. Hi, I'm Kim Burrell. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, everybody, this is Sherry Shepard. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble.
right, folks, our black and missing uh, Kevin O'Neill Griffin has been missing since leaving his Mobile, Alabama home on March 28th. The 15-year-old is 5 feet 9 inches tall, weighs 150 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Kevin O'Neill Griffin should call the Mobile, Alabama Police Department at 251-208-7214, 251-208-7211. California's Ebony Alert Legislation, or SB 673, has passed the Senate Public Safety Committee with a unanimous bipartisan vote. The bill would create an Ebony Alert notification system to address the lack of attention and resources given to black children and young black women who are missing in California. We had the bill's author, State Senator Stephen Bradford, on Monday's show yeah. discussing this measure, explain uh, how this bill would be an effective tool in investigating missing black youth or young black women between the ages of 12 and 25. According to the Black and Missing Foundation, 38% of children reported missing in the U.S. are black. The population of the U.S. is only 14% black. Black children are disproportionately classified as runaways compared to their white counterparts who are classified as missing. Therefore, many black children do not receive the Amber Alert. The bill now moves to the California Senate Appropriations Committee. And this is one of those things uh, that really is important, Rebecca. Uh, and it, it just shows you again what happens when you're dealing with systemic racism in terms of how black children and black women are treated. Well, you know, I was looking at some of the comments in the chat and something that I keep seeing repeated tonight is that they're oftentimes black folks still aren't treated as human. We're not viewed as a full value. We're not viewed much less as Americans, but we're not viewed as fully human. And so if that's the lens that the society views us in, then when our children go missing, when our people go missing, you know, we're, we're largely invisible, which is unfortunately why you have to have this black and missing segment. Candace? Well, it just reminds me of the fact that, as you said, the system has been set up for black women to fail in terms of this type of thing. We're not recognized. We're not whole. And when, when this does happen, when somebody does uh, go missing, they're considered runaways. They're considered somebody who doesn't really have a, a family unit enough to be regarded where they need to even be looked at. Uh, when we look at black women, the statistics, the statistics that you have given are ridiculous in terms of the number of females in that age range that are in America and the ones that are actually abducted. This is something that needs to be on a federal level. And there are many, many groups out there. There's a wonderful documentary on HBO where, you know, they go through the process of trying to find women that are missing working with their families because the police aren't there. We need this system because we know that when those Amber Alerts go off, it is more than likely going to be a white woman. And that is the problem. Yep. But that is kind of, uh, you know, in, in, ingrained in people's minds that we don't matter. So this is an important, a very important alert. And I would imagine that we talk about the indigenous community that goes missing and just overall, you know, at any given time, and I'll right. end with this, there are one million people missing in the world. There are a lot of people who are abducted, and we just don't pay enough attention to it. About 20 seconds, Larry, go. It's in critical le legislation. Uh, we also need training for law enforcement to recognize, when we talk about black folks' as humanity, to see those that are missing, to make sure we plot resources and the support. All right, got to go to a break. Up next, Ben Crump talks about the $550 million lawsuit that he has filed against the city of Memphis, the death of Tyree Nichols. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
table with me, Greg Kaufman. We look at the history of emancipation around the world, including right here in the United States, the so-called end of slavery. Trust me, it's a history lesson that bears no resemblance to what you learned in school. Professor Chris Manjapra, author, scholar, amazing teacher, joins us to talk about his latest book, Black Ghost of Empire, The Death of Slavery and the Failure of Emancipation. He explains why the end of slavery was no end at all, but instead a collection of laws and policies designed to preserve the status quo of racial oppression. The real problem is that the problems that slavery in invented have continued over time. And what reparations are really about is saying, how do we really transform society, right? And, and, and stop racial violence, which is so endemic. What we need to do about it on the next installment of The Black Table, right here on the Black Star Network. On a next, A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie. It's spring, hallelujah. But hold on, it's not all fun and games. With the sun and the warmth comes the need to clean the clutter mentally, physically, emotionally, socially. All of those things need to happen. Getting rid of the clutter and clearing the cobwebs in our head and in our home. That's next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Antonique Smith. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. The family of Tyree Nichols has filed a $550 million lawsuit against the city of Memphis as well as the officers who were involved in the vicious beating death of Tyree Nichols. Attorney Ben Crump joins us right now to talk about this particular lawsuit. Ben, glad to have you on the show. Um, this is uh, obviously uh, a huge, huge lawsuit. You filed other lawsuits before. I don't know if one uh, was this size. Uh, are you on mute? Can you hear me? There we go. Now we got you. Okay. Roland, it was intense. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Intentional, uh, the $550 million lawsuit against the Memphis Police Department not only for the claim of how uh, Tyree Nichols was 
savagely beaten, but also, Roland, it was because of the conduct that the officers exhibited and that they were following policies and procedures of these police oppression units that have been given a license to terrorize black and brown communities. And so it was a message to other city leaders, Roland Martin, who have these jump out boy units or in Atlanta, the Red Dog unit or down in uh, Houston, the Brave unit, all these police oppression units that terrorize black people and brutalize us. If something happens and you don't get rid of these units, then we're coming to your city next. That was the message we are sending. You know, Ben, whatever we have you on, I love these people hop in these chat rooms and I see other comments and they go, oh, uh, Ben Crump, he, he's never won a case. And I have to explain to these people, you're not the prosecutor. And the reality yeah. is the only, the only recourse families really have to get justice when, of course, the legal system, the system doesn't do anything is filing civil lawsuits or going after these cities and counties and you typically are, are having settlements. What people also don't realize is that what y'all are also doing is building in changes to city practices, procedures, and laws, like in the Breonna Taylor case. So it's not just a monetary thing, it's also trying to change the system so the next family is not impacted in the same way. Exactly, Roland. And we don't control the criminal prosecution. That is the prosecutors. Netflix did a whole documentary to explain that. But some people want to be ignorant, Roland Martin. So I don't waste my time on that. We have a purpose that we have to fulfill, and that is to try to prevent as many of our children from being killed unjustly as possible. And since the federal government uh, can't put people over politics and pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, then we got to use whatever means to uh, uh, available to us to make them change policies and procedures, whether it's on the uh, city level or the state level. And I promise you this, Roland Martin, that if we keep making them pay tens of millions of dollars every time they kill a black or brown person unjustly, I do believe they're going to figure out a way to stop killing us. And if people don't understand that, I just pray it's not their child. Um, we, we talk about, again, uh, I'm going to go to my panel for questions uh, uh, next as well. We talk about these, we talk about the, these lawsuits. Uh, this is not just, again, for people to understand, this is not just even the police department. We're talking about the police department. We're talking about the fire department. Uh, I mean, there were so many people who were involved in this particular case uh, that impacted the death of Tyree Nichols. Yeah, and Roland Martin, we sued everybody involved from the top down, from the police chief who instituted this policy of this police oppression unit, to all the way to the officers involved, uh, one of the officers, the white officer that pointed the taser at him, as well as the fire uh, ESM workers with the fire department who waited 19 minutes and did nothing to help Tyree Nichols, who obviously was in medical distress. And we 
are going to make sure each and every one of them are held accountable. And you look at our track record for those who say we're not successful. We're, we have never bought a case for a family and not uh, want a civil result for them. And that's what we have to keep doing, Roland. We have to keep showing them you cannot devalue black life. And obviously, that's why I love your show so much. You understand the importance of black life. And you understand the importance of educating our black people so we can be empowered to be better in control of our destiny. Questions from the panel. I'll start with Candace. Oh, in terms of the Department of Justice, where are they in this? Have they already started their patterns and practices in this? Um, and also, how many people do you ultimately will be think will be responsible for this unit, um, the Scorpion unit that was disbanded right after all of this went down? You know, Candace, obviously, in the criminal matter, the five black officers who were terminated, arrested, and charged within 20 days are going to be held accountable. I think they're going to start blaming each other, all that kind of stuff. So that's going to be interesting to watch. However, it's everybody from the top down. I think that lightning is going to strike and thunder is going to roll. When you read this lawsuit, that is 897 counts, and every word mattered because we wanted to explain to people that it was foreseeable. When you have these police oppression units that innocent people like Tyree Nichols is going to die. And remember, the Red Dog unit in Atlanta, I know Roland covered this back in 2006 when the 92-year-old black woman was killed by three officers and they tried to cover it up to make it like she was a drug dealer. Well, that was the Red Dog unit, another police oppression unit. And so DOJ, I believe Christian Clark, who has been a champion for civil rights uh, since she was uh, put into that position, has done unprecedented things to hold police departments and cities accountable. And I think they're going to be under a consent decree, and Christian Clark is not going to let Memphis ever forget about Tyree Nichols. Larry. Yeah, Ben, thanks. First of all, thanks for all the work, your work. It's really critically important. So I know you've been, you know, been doing this for years, and you talk about the importance of supporting black folks and when it comes to interactions with law enforcement and, and preventing these murders. I want to talk to you a little bit about your your experience and the years you've been involved in, 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 in terms of, you know, trying to make sure black folks um, get or, or remedy for these for these cases. And what have you seen, like, over the last 10 years? Do you think police departments have gotten it? You mentioned some of these special units that they have in these large jurisdictions throughout the United States. Do you think you've seen any progress in terms of law enforcement and these jurisdictions, the leaders in particular, get it? That it's going to cost you if you continue to brutalize black people? I, I think we are seeing a, a big difference, Larry. And it's, you know, we keep raising the value Every case, you know, Brianna, 12 million, George Floyd, 27. We just rejected a $30 million offer up on uh, Randy Cox up in New Haven, Connecticut. And this here, I think, is going to be uh, uh, the biggest amount ever paid out. And so I think it's working. However, we must remember, and Roland Martin and Monique Presley talk with me about these matters all the time, it's political expediency. A lot of them have the intent to try to do the right thing, but then they want to get reelected. So you have them saying, well, we got to be tough on crime because right now we have this facade that 
crime is going up. So we got to go give the police more money. We got to give them more resources. We got to put more black people in jail. And that's always the yin and the yang of it. But we always got to keep speaking truth to power. I love the young activists we talk to when they say, no, no, it's about resources. Uh, the new mayor of Chicago, uh, Johnson, saying it's about trying to allocate resources to prevent crime and to prevent people from feeling like they're in a desperate situation to commit crime. And then you will see that we can do it better than just locking up a whole generation of black people and uh, making them be convicted felons from trumped-up felony convictions. Uh, Rebecca. Ben, I've been thinking a lot about Thurgood Marshall and the Legal Defense Fund and the decades-long strategy um, to dismantle um, segregation um, in our country. And I've been thinking more about qualified immunity. I know a lot of people ask this question. Do you think it's going to take decades-long strategy to be able to dismantle and finally get rid of um, qualified immunity? Or do you think the capitalism route of bankrupting some of these municipalities, do you think that is um, uh, the more successful way of getting rid of qualified immunity? I, I think we have to approach it from every aspect. I think we got to keep uh, hitting them with these huge lawsuits where it becomes financially unsustainable for them to have them shoot another black person in the back or uh, savagely beat them to death. But then I also think we got to be trying to lobby and engage the political process because just like they said, blacks would never vote in the South. Well, we didn't give up. We kept understanding that without struggle, we can make no progress, as Frederick Douglass often said. And so we have to continue to celebrate the struggle. You know, let's don't get deterred from the struggle. If we're struggling, that means we're progressing, because that's what progress is, to say, no, no, just because you did this here, you don't get to win. You don't get to control our destiny. You don't get to dictate the world we're going to leave our children. We're going to fight for that. And the last thing I'll say is this. We're in Memphis, Tennessee, and I, I, there was intentional rolling while we said $550 million because it was the 55th year of the anniversary of Dr. King's assassination in this city of Memphis, Tennessee. And Dr. King said, the law can't make me, a man love me, but it can make that man not lynch me. He also said that the law can't uh, legislate the heart, but he said the law can restrain the heartless. And he said what we're really saying is we need the law to pass legislation to be able to restrain these heartless individuals who commit these atrocities of injustice against black people. So I believe, like Roland Martin said, we're going to get a big settlement, but I would be ashamed if we didn't get policy change, too, in the tragic killing of Tyree Nichols. And so, you know, I watched Roland's show to get ideals uh, to help us go fight in the courtroom and in the legislative halls in the court of public opinion. So... I welcome all your strategic ideas too, Queen, of how we're going to win this battle and not let the enemies of equality win.
Absolutely. Van Crump, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much. Love you, brother. Love you for that other thing uh, with Ralph. Yes, Thank sir. You. Yes, sir. We'll chat soon. Folks, got to go to a break. We'll be back. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Download the app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. You can also support us by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Send your chicken money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. We'll be right back. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. What's up, what's up? I'm Dr. Ricky Dillard, the choir master. Hi, I'm Amber Stevens-West from The Carmichael Show. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, an Oklahoma County Commissioner allegedly caught on audio um, recording discussing the murder of journalists and making racist comments towards black people has resigned. McCurtain County District 2 Commissioner Mark Jennings reportedly made the remarks with McCurtain County Sheriff's Office members following a March council meeting. Following the release, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt called for the resignation of county officials. Jennings subsequently handed in a handwritten letter confirming his immediate resignation. 
Quote, effectively immediately, I, Mark Jennings, resign as McCurtain County District Number 2 Commissioner. I will release a formal statement shortly regarding the recent events in our county. You know, th this thing here uh, has gotten lots of attention, uh, Larry, and rightfully so, uh, because uh, a newspaper, they left, they left, a, they left a, um, a tape recorder back uh, because they feared that, they, that these county officials were meeting in violation of state law. Well, we now know what they were actually talking about. Yeah, so they, you know, they left the recording behind and found out that they're they are Klansmen, you know. So, it, it, I'm, first of all, I'm glad that the the report left the left the recording, you know, device behind and to capture these, obviously these horrific comments. But Roland, I think an important thing to keep in mind is this is like an every this is like average day in America. These conversations are going on in boardrooms, in schools, universities, police departments throughout the United States on a consistent basis. I'm glad he resigned. I'm glad the governor called on him to resign. And the comments, listen to the recording, is chilling because, you know, he's talking about lynching black folks, you know, think about back in the day, reminiscing. And also, like I said, the way he described, you know, you know, having a hitman for some of these um, reporters. But once again, we shouldn't be shocked or surprised because these conversations go on all the time and we just are not privy to these conversations. So we need to get rid of these races anytime we can. Rebecca. You know, just like Larry said, this is conversations that happen all the time. I think about when I was in law school and we were covering some um, civil rights cases, specifically the Sweets trial in Detroit. It's something the audience should look up. Very interesting. A white lynch mob showed up outside a black dentist's home and then um, tried to kill them. And during that particular case, some of my white classmates, you know, very casually said that they wish lynchings would come back. So this hmm. is something that's common for some people to say. This isn't anything that's new. And also, like Larry said, you know, we just happened to hear part of the Klan meeting that they didn't know was getting recorded. Candace. And this is just the beginning. The doors have opened to go back and now look at his record, his decisions for whatever he's been working on, and how he has treated Black people and journalists in the process. And I promise you, this is not the end of it, because now that he has spoken and said who he really is, we now need to go back and do a little sleuthing and look at his record. Folks, Virginia grand jury indicts multiple people for carrying flaming torches during a white nationalist gathering in Charlottesville in 2017. On August 11th of that year, hundreds of white nationalists marched through the campus of the University of Virginia carrying torches in their Unite the Right rally. Each person is charged with a single count of burning an object intending to intimidate a person or group. They're facing up to five years in prison. The number of people indicted has not been released. You know, some people will say, Rebecca, oh, th th this is overkill. No, we know with the chants. We know the racist chants were coming out of their mouth, and they, they absolutely were trying to intimidate folks. Absolutely. So it's really interesting hearing people try to talk about this that happened in front of our eyes. We see recording, you know, video recordings of it, and they're trying to make it seem like what we saw isn't what really happened. You know, these are the same type of people who think that the insurrection that happened in January 6th really didn't happen. It was just a group of tourists. So there are certain people in this country, they're just not going to believe that fat meat is greasy, and it is what it is. So we have to figure out ways to make sure that we're protecting folks, because we're going to continue to see 
see things like this um, happen um, in 2023 and beyond. That's where society is right now, and we do have to pay attention to it. Um, look, these folks need to be held accountable for what they uh, were involved in, Candace, pure and simple. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you strike a match in someone's face, that's an assault. So by all of these men going through Charlottesville, Virginia, with torches in everybody's face, that's why they were uh, charged the way they were. Um, and it's just really indicative of how we kind of think about the justice system and how quickly it must work, because we're talking about five or six years ago, and sometimes it works very slowly, but... Sometimes it does work out, and I think that this is a good day for folks to recognize that don't don't sleep on justice all the time. It was a long time coming, but something did happen, and it should have happened, because all of these people were at fault, not just for inciting the violence, but for, for, for being a part of the violence that ultimately killed someone. Larry? So I think it's important to connect the last story with this story <laughs> and this idea about these could be folks that you could be working with or around or your neighbor or someone you see at the mall. So I'm glad that these individuals have been, are, you know, certainly, you know, certainly justice finally gotten around to addressing this issue. It's been six years. But once again, this is commonplace in America. I would also like to add, Roland, that uh, Donald Trump referred to people on both sides as, as very fine people. So let's not let's let's keep that in mind as the uh, as the next few months take place and when we get closer to the election. But once again, I'm glad these individuals are going to be held accountable, and we need to do more of this. Uh, indeed, earlier, folks, we talked about this story here. Tennessee state senators passed a bill shielding gun and ammunition manufacturers, dealers, and sellers from litigation. The measure was granted final approval, although some Democrats argued it was an inappropriate timing. It came so soon after last month's Nashville school shooting, in which six people were killed, including two, including three children. Uh, remember, uh, two Tennessee state representatives, Justin, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, were expelled because they stood with the protesters battling this. The vote on the civil liabilities bill came as lawmakers considered countermeasures to keep guns away from troubled individuals. This, again, shows me the sheer stupidity, frankly, uh, of these people, Candace. They don't care people were killed. They literally would rather protect these gun manufacturers than protect people, including children. And meanwhile, we know that several gun manufacturers have settled lawsuits for being responsible for marketing to young people and marketing to the people that actually go out and kill other people. So we, we know that they are saying, we know that we are guilty, let's hurry up and make this go away. What they're also saying is, guess what, in your face, we don't care, just like you're saying. They don't care. They're just making their point um, by showing that they have the power in order to do this. They absolutely don't care, and something has to be done. It's interesting how they can do what they're doing, but at the same time, you know, what's going on on the Tennessee floor in the House of Representatives, and those two young men, the uh, Justins, carried out for, for absolutely no reason. Yep. What they're saying is, we're going to stick it to you, and we have the power to do it. We don't care. Folks, the U.S. House of Representatives is set to vote on a resolution that could block a police accountability package by the District of Columbia. A D.C. reform bill includes measures such as banning chokeholds and increasing public access to, to records uh, and camera footage of officers. Republicans are focusing on crime in cities run by Democrats ahead of the midterms. 
Legislation was passed in response to last year's widespread protests against police brutality. President Joe Biden announced that he would veto the resolution pushed by the GOP if it passed. It is expected that a handful of Democrats will vote for the GOP-led resolution. These people are running around scared, Rebecca, of crime. It really is a joke because Republicans love talking about local control, except when they don't have the power. That's all this is. You know, I find it really interesting that people who are opposing um, what D.C. did um, to um, come up with some type of um, criminal um, um, reform of the criminal code, they're trying to blame the reform of the criminal code for increased crime. Well, if there's increased crime under the existing code, it makes sense that you reform the criminal code, right? And so that's exactly what D.C. advocates um, did um, with reform of the criminal code. But, you know, more importantly, this shows the reason why it's so important important for D.C. to actually have statehood, because there is no other city in America, there is no other state in America, especially the size of the District of Columbia, that isn't able to, um, to for its duly elected uh, legislators, to actually pass laws. This doesn't make sense that Congress is interfering. D.C. really needs to become a state. Um, uh, Larry, real quick. Yeah, so I'm a former Washingtonian and lived in the city for a number of years. And you roll, if you know, Capitol Hill, this is constantly a fight over D.C. appropriation bills and whatever other uh, legislation are passed uh, by the city. So this is not a new battle. This is part of Republicans, what they've done in the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s, and talk about crime. And really, what they want to do is put more black and brown people in, in jail. Uh, indeed. All right, folks, got to go to break. We come back. Uh, I'll show you a speech uh, the president of Ghana gave a few months ago. Really powerful speech speaking to African leaders. Uh, and so I just wanted to share that with you. We'll do so when we come back right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. YouTube folks, hit the like button, y'all. Why are we not over 1,000 likes? I don't know why I do this every single day, y'all. This ain't that hard. When you log on, click like, move on. I see all y'all commenting back and forth. Hit the doggone button. It helps the algorithm, which helps drive revenue for us. A lot of y'all will hear riding for free. So come on, get with it. Back in a moment. I lost my daughter. I didn't know where she was. So I had to figure out how to survive. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council how to eat, how to live. I don't want to go into to the right. details because she's here, first of all. She may not want me telling that story. But uh, um, possession of her, we, the family broke down, fell apart. I was homeless. Uh, I had to figure out I, I didn't have a manager or an agent or anybody anymore, and I'm the talent. <laughs> so I got to figure out how to be the agent. And mm. I had to figure out how does business work. next a balanced life with me dr jackie it's spring hallelujah but hold on it's not all fun and games 
with the sun and the warmth comes the need to clean the clutter mentally, physically, emotionally, socially. All of those things need to happen. Getting rid of the clutter and clearing the cobwebs in our head and in our home. That's next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. What's up, what's up? I'm Dr. Ricky Dillard, the choir master. Hey, yo, peace world. What's going on? It's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. A few months ago, President Joe Biden invited leaders from across the African continent to D.C. for the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit. The three-day summit was filled with discussions on strengthening ties with African partners. Will Ghana's president, Nana Akufo-Adun, said it's time for Africans to stop listening to Europeans and Americans when it comes to what's happening with their continent. Listen. Madam Vice President, ladies and gentlemen, I thank the African and Diaspora Young Leaders Forum for making me part of this conversation and for the opportunity to deliver these remarks at the closing plenary in the presence of the U.S. Vice President, the Honorable Kamala Harris, and in this spectacular building, so admired by all Ghanaians, and indeed by all Africans, as it was designed by one of the foremost architects of his generation, the globally acclaimed Ghanaian architect, David Ajay. The forum has chosen the most relevant theme of Africa's contemporary situation, a theme which sums up the essence of African aspirations, amplifying voices, building partnerships that work. I've stated it before that it sometimes appears the words Africa and Africans have more resonance outside the continent than inside. When we are home on our continent, it always seems very important to assert that we are Ghanaians, Ivorians, Kenyans, Nigerians, Swazis, Senegalese, Rwandans, South Africans, and Zambians. Then we find ourselves outside the, the, the continent, and then we discover that to the, to the outside world, there are no Ghanaians, there are no Senegalese, and there are no Tanzanians. There are only Africans, and we are all simply Africans. The lesson for me is clear. Our destinies are intricately linked with each other, and we're talking not only about those of us on the continent, but about the Africans in the diaspora as well. You can be an honors graduate from any of the top universities of this country. You can be a second or third generation American. And you can be in a well-paid job. If there's an outbreak of Ebola someplace on the African continent, you are an African. Anyone, everybody in the position of leadership in Africa today, thus has his or her work cut out. The urgent responsibility we face is to make our countries and our continent attractive for our peoples, to see them as places of opportunities. 
It means we must provide education, quality education and skills training. It means our young people must acquire the skills that run modern economies. The impact of a successful Africa on the image and standing of Africans in the diaspora applies with equal force to the image and standing of her sons and daughters who go by the name African Americans and indeed all her kith and kin in the Americas and the Caribbean. There's a lot of room for your perspectives and energies back in Africa. History tells us of the positive impact of diaspora communities on the growth and development of countries through increased trade activities, rising investments, and the transfer of skills and knowledge. Take the case of China, for example. With an emigre population of some 60 million, the Chinese diaspora is said to be the 25th largest country in the world, who according to the Nikkei Asian Review, own assets worth 2.5 trillion United States dollars. When foreign companies in the late 1970s reduced their investments in China, it was the Chinese diaspora that shored up the economy. According to the Washington DC-based Migration Policy Institute, MPI, half of the foreign direct investment, that is some 26 billion United States dollars, that transformed China into a manufacturing powerhouse in the 1990s, originated from the Chinese diaspora. That is the rationale of Ghana's initiative of Beyond the Return, which is building on the considerable success of the year of return and the renewed enthusiasm around building Africa together. We must work to help change the African narrative which has been characterized largely by a concentration on disease, hunger, poverty, and illegal mass migration. Let us all remember that the destiny of all black people, no matter where they are in the world, is bound up with Africa. We should never forget that famous admonition of the celebrated Jamaican reggae star Peter Tosh when he said, and I quote, don't care where you come from. As long as you are a black man, you are an African, unquote. We must help make Africa the place for investment, progress, and prosperity. And not from where our youth flee in the hope of accessing the mirage of a better life in Europe, Asia, or the Americas. That is what the Beyond the Return seeks to do. So we can derive maximum dividends from our relations with the diaspora in mutually beneficial cooperation and as partners for shared growth and development. The second half of the 20th century witnessed a great blow for human progress and freedom when the African peoples in the wake of Ghana's shining example, liberated themselves from the colonial and imperialist yoke and the racist ideology of apartheid and emerged as free, independent people 
to construct new nations of hope and advancement. The first half of the 21st century should consolidate this development and see the growth of modern, prosperous, technologically advanced nations within a united Africa, which would make a reality of the dream of the 21st century as the African century and bring dignity and respect to black people all over the world. We've done enough talking, and dare I say we've had enough conferences and workshops. We know what we need to do. It is time just to do it. We've run out of excuses for the state of our continent. We have the manpower, we should have the political will. It is time to make Africa work. We have good reason to be proud of who we are and the beautiful continent that is ours with its vibrant cultures. The geographic space covered by Africa makes it the second largest of the seven continents. It has 30% of the world's remaining minerals of value. It has some of the most breathtaking scenes on our planet. It has plants and animals that are wonders of the world and critical for the survival of the globe. I hear a lot about the need to change our narrative and tell our own good story. Ladies and gentlemen, as the saying goes, nothing succeeds like success. If we work at it, if we stop being beggars and spend Africa's monies inside the continent, Africa would not need to ask for respect from anyone. We would get the respect we deserve. Over 30 years ago, one of America's most prestigious Ivy League universities offered a course in Mandarin, which for years had virtually no takers. Today, there is standing room only. And it is not because the course is any easier. It is because the position of China has changed. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, China was nowhere near where it is today. China does not ask for any, anyone for respect now. She does not need it. Let us make our continent the prosperous and joyful place it should be, and the respect would follow. I thank you for your attention. Uh, the reason I wanted to show that, uh, Larry, is because uh, he's absolutely right. And if we actually expand that, if we expand that beyond talking about the continent of Africa. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. That also speaks to, to black America. Um, when I listen to rappers and other entertainers talk about doing stuff for the culture, for the culture. I always ask, well, who, who making the most money off the culture? 
I mean, I was, in fact, I, I was literally just sitting here <clears throat> as a publicist who's trying to get uh, a client on this show who has a show on one of the streaming services. And, and, and she's like, you know, this person really, really wants to do your show. And, and, I, and I've had this person on before, my TV One show. And I said, if I do this, it's only because of this person. Because I have a standard rule against this because these streaming services, they don't want to advertise. I said, now, mm -hmm. they, they like my audience, so they want their talent on the show, but they don't respect the same audience to advertise. So they want our eyeballs to watch, but then they don't, they don't actually want to pay. And when, and when I listened to what he was saying, and I think about Dr. King's speech at Mason Temple on April 3rd, 1968, with the Do Not Buy campaigns, when he said we must redistribute the pain, the reality is if, just like he's saying, if black folks in this country would use our economic might to force folk to fully respect black folks, things would change economically. And, as, and I agree with him. I'm tired of the conferences. I'm tired of the summits. I'm tired of the workshops. I agree 110%. And listen to, listen to him talk reminded me of Garveyisms, UNIA. And I know you, you, know, you named that. You talk about Garvey and the Black Star line, shipping line, the Black Star Network. So like I said, this idea, and also remember when the principles of Kwanzaa relates to this idea of, of economic independence. And, you know, this is really an important topic, and I was glad he delivered a, a magnificent speech. Mm. But it really is critically important that like you talk about in terms of the continent, but also in terms of um, African Americans here in the United States, this idea of collective responsibility, bringing our resources together, making sure we, we support our community, support Black-owned businesses. You talked on your show a lot about in terms of Black-owned media and continuously advocate to make sure that the federal government and various other corporations are putting the money into black, the black community, particularly black media. And you hit on a really important point, Roland, in terms of, you know, when it comes to black folks, we, 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 we in terms of we're the economic engine when it comes to the connection between uh, culture and capitalism in the United States. Hmm. And that could be a good and bad thing. But listen, it is time, like I said, I'm tired of, I agree, I'm tired of all these conversations, these panel discussions. It is time for us to collectively put our resources together build our community, and also connect with the brothers and sisters in the continent. Um, uh, you know, Rebecca, what he laid out uh, is important. And what he was also saying to the United States, don't just simply look at us as a poor child in need of help, in need of aid. No, it's investment. And the, re and, and the reason China is investing billions in the continent, they need its natural resources. But the reality is, uh, other countries do not want to invest, so therefore, that's one of the few places they can look to for investment. You know, despite Black Americans being um, under-resourced in this country, our homes undervalued, us paid mm -hmm. less than our white counterparts, before the pandemic, we still had $1.3 trillion of buying power um, per year. And I think that's very important here because that means we have at least $1.3 trillion of investment that we can mm -hmm. figure out how do we connect with the continent. Not only that with black Americans, but thinking about the African diaspora and the Caribbean as well. There's a lot of power there. And I would even extend it to the African diaspora in Brazil. We are so powerful. And especially knowing that by 2050 on the continent of Africa, 25% um, of the world's population would be will be on the continent. 
that is definitely an investment opportunity. And I am very curious how folks like myself, we may not have the millions of dollars, but how on a retail level um, can we start investing uh, specifically in sub-Saharan Africa? The reason why I link the two, Candace, uh, is because, again, black people in this country, we are very good at making other people rich. Um, you look at how we over-index on cell phones and PDAs and apps and things along those lines, yet when it's a black developer like Isaac Hayes III with Fanbase, oh, oh, the app is glitchy. Well, hell, Facebook and Twitter were glitchy as hell for a long time. Uh, and again, it is as if we, we really do have sort of this separate standard when it, when it comes to what is black. But then we complain about, well, what we don't have. Look, the African-American Mar African Mayors Association is meeting here uh, in D.C. this week. The news conference was today. We're going to be restreaming the whole news conference after this show. Uh, and I literally asked the question. I said, y'all are meeting with the administration. What are you going to say to President Joe Biden about the fact that the federal government spends $560 billion a year on contracts and black-owned companies get 1.67% of the $560 billion? Black, they spend a billion dollars on advertising. Black-owned media only gets one uh, percent or fifty-one million of the one billion. It, look, it's a money thing. It's a money thing, and it's also an imaging thing in terms of trying to make black people understand their worth and value. We're talking about one point three trillion dollars, as she said during COVID. And you know, were we? were we kind of uh, allowed to and, and managed in a way to understand our value, to understand our contributions? You know, I think one of the things that um, in that speech where he pointed out uh, just kind of, you know, minimally there was just this whole idea that we really are, we are connected over here, Africans and Africans Amer Americans, only by, you know, not by choice are we separated. And I think that when we think about what, is going on in terms of making sure that Africa gets back into the fold in terms of what's going on here in America. Since 2014, nothing has happened, right? So now this is the beginning of $55 billion infused in there to make sure that there is a connection in all of this. And I think that it's just a, a wake-up call for us to understand what's going on our value, not yep. only here, but across the other continents. Speaking of wake-up call, my next guest, we're going to talk about the issue of AI, how, how that could have devastating impact for millions of people. We'll explain next on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, Dexter Jenkins is a faith-based financial mentor with more than 20 years in the financial services industry. He's passionate about helping families build generational wealth. Even though I'm talking about things like prayer, I'm talking about things about reading the word, I'm talking about things like fellowship, um, I'm talking to members who are dealing with losing their houses, or I'm talking to members who, because of uh, a lack of the handling their finances, they're working two or three jobs. And so what I'm finding is that they're not coming to church because they don't have a handle on their finances. We're talking how to get wealthy through faith and our finances on the next Get Wealthy right here, only on Black Star Network. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, A Balanced Life with Dr. Jackie. My name is Charlie Wilson. Hi, I'm Sally Richardson-Whitfield. And I'm Dodger Whitfield. Hey, everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. Um, all right, folks, uh, if you've been paying attention to social media uh, lately, you will see there's been a lot of conversation about AI-generated songs that literally are completely manufactured. Uh, it is causing so much consternation that uh, record labels literally uh, are demanding that streaming services take these songs down uh, because it is impacting uh, these artists, it's impacting their royalties. And so we say that we talk about this all the time in terms of uh, how new technology is, is having an impact uh, on so many people, especially people of color. When you think about, uh, you know, driverless cars, this is one of the issues that people have been talking about, how many people that could be put out of work uh, as a result. And so what we are seeing uh, is that you even saw a lot of these tech folks even announce a slowdown, if you will, in AI, Elon Musk and others said, because they really couldn't say, they, they were saying, where does this thing even go? This is how significant this is. Walmart is slowly moving towards AI tools. New York Police Department, you see right there, uh, moving towards this. What does this actually mean for folks? Joining us right now, Dr. Patrick Dix, an automation and artificial intelligence expert. Uh, Patrick, glad to have you here. So again, Again, you know, in the last week, the music piece has been has been huge, and people don't really understand that. Again, people are saying a lot of these songs, they're like, it sounds better than for the original artists. These artists are saying, wait a minute, the artists, the writers, the publishers, all these people are saying, wait a minute, you're costing us money. We're we're just at the tip of the iceberg of, what, of this whole AI thing. Yes, uh, with artificial intelligence, when you're talking about with the artists, when you take that to actually eliminating jobs, it is going to be completely devastating. So the thing is, when I did the research back in 2020, from 2017 to 2020, the research demonstrated that women and minorities are going to be the two most affected groups with artificial intelligence and automation. Well, I, I, had, I had one per I saw, uh, it was, I think BuzzFeed has been talking about literally having AI-generated stories yep. where you don't even have reporters anymore. Yep. Um, they're going to it with media, um, the songs. They're going into it for programming. So you have many people that are in college right now. If they're not in the right major, their degree is completely worthless. I know that is a strong word to say, but you won't be able to get a job with it because AI is so far ahead of us, and they're developing it. So at the end of the day, they're trying to save money. So AI can go out and do things that humans can't do. You know, they're using it in medicine and everything else. All right. So, uh, so you know, so what do people do? How, how do you fight back? Uh, because the technology is not slowing down. 
know it's going to get faster. There are three things people can do. First off, they can retrain. Blue collar jobs and white collar jobs. When I talk about blue collar jobs, I'm talking about HVAC electricians. Um, your job is in the union. When I talk about white collar, I'm talking about automation, um, robotics, robotics engineers, automation engineers, software engineers. I'm talking about data science and data analysts. But first of all, you mentioned those blue collar jobs. And this is what I always, I've always said. <laughs> Guess what? You can't send those to China. Your no. toilet gets clogged up. You're going to need a plumber. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I know people are like, okay, but, but the reality is a lot of people who say, I don't want to do those jobs. Those jobs have become high five-figure, yes. high five-figure, six-figure jobs. Yes. If you start the right kind of blue-collar business and get into the country right now, because what's going on, too, the baby boomers are actually exiting the workforce, and there are no other people to go to technical schools to train. So mm -hmm. you could be a multimillionaire with a plumbing business. And the second aspect is become the subject matter expert. There are many people with the self-checkout aisles you see in the stores. They're doing a lot of repetitive jobs. And the aspect of with women, they work a lot of administrative jobs. So women and men have to see how the, how the um, software works and become the subject matter expert. Lastly, invest in the technology. I know people will say, well, I don't have money right now. You have to think about it. There are many rural towns, like I'm from South Carolina, there are food deserts. Jay-Z invested with two engineers from Tesla. They have a trailer to where they drive around, and this trailer, if I'm correct, can produce about 20,000 pizzas. The thing now is this technology is brand new. If you can get ahead of it and see how you can invest and actually learn how it works, you can actually make yourself a lot of money. Uh, questions from the panel. Um, Larry, you first. Yeah, you, you talked about, you know, uh, blue-collar jobs, and there have been a number of reports from the Department of Labor, et cetera, at the federal level and state level in terms of the number of jobs that people are, are, are going to lose. Let's talk about, since we talk about racism on this show a lot, what, is, what kind of impact could AI, because individuals are, are creating these, you know, creating AI, what impact when it comes to how this can impact black folks, not only just in the workforce, but in terms of AI, in terms of that technology, in terms of stereotypes and misconceptions that we already deal with in general society? Um, well, with AI right now, I know that's one of the big things many people are talking about. Hey, the language is going to come out, it's going to discriminate, the pseudo code is against uh, black people or minorities. Um, I will have to dig deeper into it, but one of the things I encourage people to do is if you want to prevent that, you have to learn how the actual programming language works to interject yourself into it to prevent that from happening. Uh, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the whole Jay Z thing. Go to my iPad, please. Uh, it was uh, a robot pizza truck startup, yep. uh, and they raised about sixteen and a half million dollars. Yep. Uh, uh, and so that's what you were talking about there, uh, Rebecca. You know, I know a lot of people are very um, skeptical about AI and talk about how it will replace jobs. We went through this before the Industrial Revolution, um, where a lot of manual labor then you know. Look different after the Industrial Revolution. So my question is, how do we properly prepare the black community now to understand what this movement is, how we could benefit, and how we could be a part of it? Um, those three things I listed, uh, first, retrain. Um, first of all, you have to realize and ask yourself, can your job be automated? I need everybody to do that. Can what I do, is it a repetitive task? Can it be outsourced? Second of all, become the subject matter expert. AI is here in programming. We call that garbage in, garbage out. If there's garbage put in, being put into the language, there's garbage that's going to be distributed. If you can learn how the actual software works, you can actually keep your job. I'm not saying everybody's going to be able to keep their job, but we, we can try to keep as many people employed as possible. And lastly, invest into the technology. If you're in a rural area, you're in a small air town, 
learn how this uh, stuff works to invest into it and to bring opportunities to your people. Uh, one thing I, I say this here, that you could try to do AI in terms of what I do, knock yourself out, uh, but that ain't going to work because the one thing, <laughs> no, because the reality is you still got to have some interaction with actual people yeah. uh, and how you connect with people and sources. AI can't do that. No. Uh, Candace, go ahead. Well, in terms of AI, as Roland is really referencing, there are some jobs AI cannot replace. Yeah. So what are those arenas or jobs out there that you can think about that people can get interested in where AI is not going to have a place no matter what they do? Uh, HVAC, plumbing, um, electricians. Um, as I was coming into Washington, D.C. earlier, they're building up. Once they start building something, they cannot stop building it. Um, you know what? The summer coming up, you have technicians needed everywhere. Either in America, you're going to be helping build it or you're going to be maintaining it. And those blue-collar jobs, they will have a component of using computer software to analyze problems, but you cannot outsource how to fix a, or use AI to fix plumbing, electricity, um, cutting grass, landscaping, even trash, um, even trash pickup. Those kinds of things will always be here. Uh, and look, we've often talked about, I mean, uh, when I remember when you had, um, when you saw people going to, you getting rid of cashiers at grocery stores mm -hmm. and self-checkout. And then, uh, look, the last time anybody actually went to a bank, I can't tell you the last time yeah. I actually went to a bank. Uh, and so... Uh, as technology gets better, you've always had attrition uh, w w when, mm -hmm. it when it comes to jobs. And it's interesting you're talking about uh, those, those blue-collar jobs. I remember when I had my Washington Watch show, dude, this was 2000, 2011, 2012, and Sheila Johnson mm -hmm. and her ex-husband Bob Johnson, they were talking about the trades and how we have mm -hmm. to get back to that because mm -hmm. there was a period when, when American schools focused on trades, mm -hmm. and then uh, after the Civil Rights Movement, they were forcing a lot of black kids into trades and not college, and black mm -hmm. folks were like, oh, wait a minute, we're not trying mm -hmm. to have all our kids in trades. And so all the trades went away, mm -hmm. and now you're seeing, seeing the resurgence there. And also, as you had so many different companies uh, move to, again, where you're no longer doing uh, the typical transactions. I think AI is going to have an impact in accounting and things along mm -hmm. those lines. And so it is being smart about, okay, not what do I like today, but really how am I going to survive and eat 20, 30 years from now? Yes, the best thing that everybody could do, you have to think about what's going to be popular not popular, what's going to be needed in five to 10 years from now. Machine learning, artificial intelligence, that is the world right now. It's not going anywhere. Once the technology gets refined, it's going to become cheaper and it's going to just, it's just going to expand fast. Expand but, fast. And, but the other thing that I also say when it comes to AI is, and this is what I always talk about, uh, <laughs> if you have jobs that are completely dependent upon technology, yeah. when the power goes out. Yeah. That's right. Yo ass DOA. <laughs> yes, and again, and, 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 you, and that's what you're trying to call that electrician. Yep. Try to get the power back on. And so uh, it, it is thinking about, uh, mm -hmm. think about it uh, in those terms. Last question for you. Is there a, is there a HBCU that is actually uh, on the forefront of the AI space? Um, not that I'm aware of. I'm going to reach out to my South Carolina State, where I graduated from, to see what they're doing. But to my knowledge, there's... Now, I do know on the robotics front, yeah. uh, Spellman uh, is doing a yeah. great job with their robotics team mm -hmm. um, and, and, and some other programs. So I'm curious uh, in terms of an HBCU that's actually on, on the AI front. No, I'm not aware, but I'm definitely going to research and see if there are any out there. All right, then. Patrick, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Uh, and, and again, I, and, and plus, here's the other deal. You talk about jobs that will always be there. Healthcare. Yeah. That that the last 20 years, if you look at the labor report, every month 
adding healthcare jobs because people are living longer. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll give this, I'll give y'all this last one here. Uh, when I, uh, when I tore my right labrum, uh, I had to have surgery. It was crazy. Uh, the, uh, the physical therapy place was packed every single day. Mm -hmm. uh, a guaranteed job, physical therapy. You know why? Because all these crazy ass baby boomers and Gen Xers still trying to play basketball and still trying to be weekend warriors and they breaking shit. And, and physical therapy, I'm, I'm telling you right now, if you want to get paid, go into physical therapy because people going to keep jumping their ass out of planes, keep trying to play basketball, keep trying to hoop, keep yep. trying to do all this sort of stuff, and they're going to blow knees, Achilles, uh, ACLs, elbows, yep. all that sort of stuff. I'm telling you, the physical therapy the joint was packed every day. I'm like, damn, it's more packed at the gym. So again, you got to be thinking in terms of, of those future jobs. Patrick, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Uh, Candace, Rebecca, Larry, I appreciate y'all uh, as well. Thank you so very much for joining us. Hey, folks, the African American Mayors Association, they are in D.C. Uh, we're going to be covering their conference over the next three days. Uh, on Friday, they got a big powwow with the mayor of the four largest cities. They're all African Americans. Karen Bass in L.A., Sylvester Turner in uh, Houston, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, Eric Adams in New York. We're going to be carrying that live as well, so stay tuned to the Black Star Network uh, for coverage of the African American Mayors Association. Folks, that is it. I'll see y'all tomorrow right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Be sure to support us in what we do. Download the app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Also, uh, support us by joining our Brina Funk fan club. Your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do. Y'all, th all this stuff costs. It, none of it's free. And so when you support us, you are supporting this show. You help pay for staff and, and uh, others and all the stuff that we do. Check in money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is our Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, rolling at rollinsmartin.com. Rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. And, of course, uh, support uh, my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Available at bookstores everywhere, uh, including Target, uh, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and you can download it on Audible, folks. I'll see you tomorrow. Holla! Folks, Black Star Network is a real um, revolutionary right now. Black Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Rollins. Hey, Black, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for A Balanced Life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, 
only on the Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.